All right. Welcome back, everybody, to Surviving Hollywood Podcast. My name's Austin. My name is Aaron. And my name is Johnny. And we just had a great guest, writer-director Aaron Fielman, who wrote and directed the movie Caged, which you can find on iTunes, on Amazon Prime, and many other streaming services. What did you guys think of the conversation? I thought it was good, man. Um, you know, uh, I watched the film and uh, it, for being a movie that's so contained essentially about this um, psychiatrist that is uh, convicted of uh, murdering his wife and then gets sent to prison. Um, most of the film takes place in this prison, um, hence why it's called Caged. And uh, I thought it was really cool because, you know, making a movie is so interesting when it takes place in like predominantly one location can be very challenging. And I thought he did a really good job um, of uh, sort of like, you know, making us feel claustrophobic, but then also telling a story with this guy's like dealing with being in solitary confinement. So what'd you guys think? Now I didn't watch the movie, so I was learning about it for the first time, but uh, I do, I love this guy. He was classic, you know, he's not an actor, but he was such an everyman, just uh, as he was articulating his process and what he had to do going from music videos to making the feature film and getting funding. I was rooting for him. And this is his first, I believe it's his first feature film, first which, feature. He, which he got distribution on. So we obviously ask him all about, we want practical step-by-step tips on how you get funding, how you got distribution. So uh, enjoy. It's that Survivor Hollywood podcast. I'm a Let's go. Hey, reactions, acting, lights, camera, action, interviewing talent with an artistic passion. Surviving Hollywood, surviving Hollywood, surviving Hollywood. It's the podcast. I was just telling them how we how we met in Pasadena 2020, right before the pandemic. Yeah, like seriously, like two days before the shit hit the fan. <laughs> it was totally insane. Yeah, and I, I just remember that you were um, talking, you had a feature at the festival, Caged. Yeah. I watched it, Johnny watched it, Aaron has not watched it yet. Full disclosure. Yeah. Damn it, Aaron. <laughs> you had one job, buddy. One job. No worries. Well, thank you guys for uh, thank you guys for watching the film. No, but we really loved it. It was well executed, I thought, and there's great acting. Thanks, man. Thank you. Yeah. No, uh, Eddie uh, Eddie Gathegi, my my lead, was uh, really talented, really amazing to work with. Same with Malora and the whole cast, but uh, but especially him. I mean, the movie squarely rested on his shoulders, so. Uh, it was great to uh, collaborate with him. Maybe we can just start for all our audience that has not seen it, and it's on iTunes and Amazon Prime right now. What yes. is the plot? Set it up, and then we want to get into you know your process. Absolutely. I mean, are we recording right now? So should I go go ahead with that? Or? <laughs> Hell yeah, dude! We're, we don't want to miss a thing. Okay. Uh, so yeah, basically, Caged is the story of a. Um, affluent African-American psychiatrist who is uh, convicted of murdering his wife. And um, he claims he's an innocent man. And while he's in jail, he gets thrown into the shoe where he meets Officer Sachs, played by Melora Hardin. Uh, and she, for her own reasons, uh, basically uh, physically and mentally tortures him while in the shoe. With, and her goal is to make sure that he never gets out, knowing that her form of vigilante justice is keeping dangerous men who harm women specifically uh, off the street and in the shoe forever. Uh, and the longer that Harlow stays in the shoe, the less certain he becomes about whether or not he even deserves his appeal as he starts to reckon with his potential innocence or potential guilt, uh, which we um, discover more about uh, in the end of the movie. Nice. And, yeah, that's kind of uh, caged in a nutshell. It's definitely, it's a, um, the perspective is, is you know, uh, is limited to the main character's perspective and it's, uh, the filmmaking is made to try to enhance the feeling, the filmmaking, the music, a lot of the creative choices were 
basically developed in order to try and create a feeling, a sense of claustrophobia and a sense of, uh, to give the audience the ability to empathize uh, with someone um, who has spent time in solitary confinement and what that experience uh, might, might be like. I was going to say, because I kind of, I definitely felt that when I was watching it, there was like, obviously most of the movie takes place in the cell, you yeah. know? So we definitely feel that a lot. And then there's a lot of like, really tight shots on his face and mm. um especially when he's kind of like you know either seeing things or hallucinating or whatever he's kind of dealing with so i definitely felt that to it um i guess uh i was kind of wondering uh, and um when you sort of started writing this was there a sort of social justice issue kind of involved in this process or was it kind of more of like this is just a story i'm interested in or that kind of all tied in together no, um, there was, a, I ended up, a friend of my father's uh, who was, a, who worked for his company uh, when I was a kid, ended up passing away a couple of years before I made this. And he actually spent time uh, in San Quentin, mm. two years in solitary confinement. Um, it, it is. And he went in to jail for buying stolen merchandise when he was 18. And he came out um, when he was 40. <laughs> oh my God. Um, because he was, you know, challenged in prison and then his sentence kept getting, uh, the, the, his, uh, the, the length of his sentence kept increasing because he continued to defend himself and got wrapped up into trouble. And, and just really, you know, um, his whole life, or at least half his life, went, completely went down the tubes. And um, my dad was a good friend of his, and they became good friends because not very many people give people in his position jobs. But my dad did, and he became one of my dad's like that. My dad had a, a, a construction company, and he became probably as like one of his most loyal foremen uh, and uh, great friends. And you know, I've always been interested in writing and storytelling. And, and so he, he told me about prison and, and was willing to talk about it. He was a character and he had a, a way with words and, and he would always suck me in with his stories. Um, and so uh, this story about his time in there, you know, he, he described it like a, like a 1960s acid trip, uh, but uh, with <laughs> creating hallucinatory images of the most horrific and frightening things uh, because the world that you're in is so horrific and frightening. Mm. Um, and, and so that, that kind of always stuck with me. And what happened was uh, my business partner, Pete Kirtley, who, uh, who I co-founded Panic House Films with, uh, we were trying to make a, thrill, a $3 million uh, horror feature uh, uh, just before we went in to start doing the shoe. Or which well to do caged, which was originally called the title the shoe. So um, we were, you know, three million dollars for us was on the high end of low budget. Um, I'm a first time feature filmmaker. My experiences prior to that was doing shorts, music videos, some commercial work. Um, but in order to try to get my opportunity to do a feature. I didn't want it. The, the investors felt like they were taking a huge risk by me doing a script that was on the high end of low budget. So we were talking about doing it in Canada. We talked about doing it in Mexico. We had a bunch of different combination of, um, of, of actors who we believed could, we could possibly pre-sell foreign territories with to try to, uh, you know, leverage more money uh, hard, so we could raise less hard money and, and shoot the movie uh, based on selling foreign territories. Lots of different combinations, lots of time. It took almost three years and we decided, I'm not sure this is gonna happen. You know, we have found the money, lost the money, found the cast, lost the cast multiple times, trying to juggle all that. And um, we had we did have some money in the bank and so we decided let's go back to the investors who have put in money and rather than try to do this pie in the sky three million dollar feature let's do a, a really contained a really awesome low budget uh feature film uh and when larry who was my dad's friend had passed away i i, I had the it, it 
I refamiliarized myself with these stories again. And I said, let's do this. It just kind of, it just kind of hit me that it made sense. One, it's something, prison rights is something uh, I'm extremely passionate about. Two, it was personal because it was a friend of the family. And I felt like I had a window or some details that made it unique. Uh, and three, it was uh, a realistic story that I feel like tap dances, like has a foot in the horror world, a foot in the drama world, which is kind of the space that I like in terms of horror. It's not, um, it's more psychological, it's less gory. It's uh, it's what I call human horror. And I think that I find that stuff to be the, the most scary. Uh, yeah, and so um, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm having trouble remembering what the initial question was. Well, it was, you know, because I, I think some of the film too kind of shows like essentially what somebody kind of goes through with solitary confinement and also being mistreated by the guards and sort of having the system kind of screw you over in a sense. Yeah. Um, you know, not, not being able to get his legal papers, like basic things. No, 100%. Yeah, I so, mean, it, it, was, it, it is something that I, I legitimately... Um, I, I legitimately care about because I, I have some skin in the game with relationships and to my family and people I have know who have been um, who have had on have dealt with unfortunate circumstances within the system. Um, but uh, but yeah, it was uh, it also you know I don't know if you guys knew this, but the movie took four years to do. So to, sh to shoot or just no, it, we, we shot it in 16 days and finished it in four years. Okay. <laughs> like uh, six months to, I mean, we wrote it in three months because we basically had financing in place because we had already raised the money on that other project. So we had, it was like pretty much like had the idea six months prep lead in to get everything together, shot it. And then we ended up running out of money post-production took forever we created a trailer raised more money did a cut went back to the drawing board revised it um it was it was a really long process and when when i was it was a, it was 20 we shot it in november of 2016 oh wow okay and trump wasn't even elected yet <laughs> oh at that point yeah. And I thought I was I was a certain that Hillary Clinton was going to be president, that, uh, you know, prison reform was going to be a, one of the things at the top of her agenda, that this movie would be done in a normal time, like at 18 months, and that, you know, it would it would be being released hand in hand with some like, you know, meaningful human rights, uh, men, uh, you know, uh, legislation. And I thought, like, what a great time to, you know, try to bolster a conversation. So that, that's what I thought at the time. That didn't happen. Uh, <laughs> but but uh, to be honest with you, uh, um, human rights and criminal justice reform, uh, the movie, in my opinion, couldn't have been released at a better time. Uh, one, because uh, the pandemic allowed people, I think, I think everyone was kind of sentenced to their own version of solitary confinement mm -hmm. uh, during the pandemic. Uh, and that allowed people to maybe understand and empathize with this character in a in a way that they wouldn't have been able to had the pandemic not happened. Uh, and two, you know, the uh, the tragedy with uh, with George Floyd and the protests that we all you know went through that that, that the world experienced on his behalf, um, I felt was very much in the spirit. Uh, uh, the spirit of outrage and the spirit of uh, the way this film sees the uh, criminal justice system in definite need of change. Just to, to kind of backtrack, because you kind of briefly touched on this and, you know, obviously we sure. have a lot of filmmakers and actors that listen to this. Um, so you kind of mentioned that, you know, you had directed a couple of shorts. This was the first feature. You had some investors that were um, sort of lined up and they were mm -hmm. like kind of hesitant to, you know, do more because it was the first time. Yeah. Can you kind of tell us a little bit about how you were able to secure the investors, get the funding, um, being a new director? Because I feel like that is one of the biggest challenges. And then how did that sort of evolve from there? hundred um, percent. I, um, when I was doing music videos, uh, I had hooked up with this music manager songwriter who became my, my, my partner at Panic House Films. Um, and 
one of the things when people ask me, you know, advice on getting something done is like, try not to do it alone. Like it's really important, I think, to, um, to find an advocate, you know, somebody who brings something different to the table um, than you. You know, if you're, if you're the person who has a creative vision, then bring somebody who has business expertise, you know, somebody who's killer with business plans. And, and like my, in my case, like my partner had written eight number one hits was like, uh, as, as far as musically, he was on the board of a lot of, um, companies that had found success and were at one point startups. So like, because he had already been successful and because I had created a track record of, of work uh, that people liked, uh, it, it, it made sense, you know, like we, we were, I, I really felt like having someone on the team who succeeded before in, 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 in a roundabout way in the space that you're trying to, uh, trying to work in is a really good thing, you know, it just, and, and I think that's just like, you know, anytime when you're building the business plan, when you're putting together, you know, when you're presenting the team, like to surround yourself by really talented people who have, who have won before. Uh, so that, I think, you know, that, that's kind of, I guess, basic. As far as the, the specifics on how we raise the money, uh, my business partner is British. We met in the UK. Uh, in the UK, they had what's called EIS financing, and it's basically um, a tax scheme that allows high net worth individuals to use an investment in your film or startup as a write-off on their taxes. So basically, mm -hmm. if you're going to, and they, they do have something similar to this now in America. So if you're going to, if you owe the government hundred grand, you could, you know, um, offset that by 50%. You could basically de-risk your investment by 50% because half of it would be a tax write-off. Uh, so the people who invested in our movie didn't really even read the script. Like- Is it just a write-off for them? It's just money laundering. Like, yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. They're criminals. They were Russian. No, just kidding. Um, no, but so it, it was, uh, we basically empowered an accountant and gave an accountant who had a stable of people whose taxes he did in the UK and who had done this EIS tax scheme thing before and basically said, we'll give you an executive producer credit. You present this project as an opportunity for your clients and help us raise the money. Hmm. Wow. And, and so he, which was, you know, I, I felt like it was kind of out of the box. It completely worked. We, we were able to do it uh, fairly quickly, but we also had like, I think over 50 investors. Oh, wow. It was very yeah. much like the, it's a you lot know, of people. Yeah. yeah. But, but, but 50 investors that had no opinion. Right. They're, they're, not, they're not involved so, creatively. They're not like, Hey, hold on. I don't like the choices we're making here. Yeah. Like, have you, have you thought what of if you, it was you white? Might, <laughs> British. Exactly. What's up with this crafty? What's with the lunch here? Yeah, yeah, no, none of that. Which, which is, which is really great. I mean, that's probably the best thing about making independent film is that you know, you don't have to get um, ripped apart with other people's perspective. You can do something that's truly your voice. You know, so uh, I felt really lucky about that. Will you be funding every movie this way to a certain point, budget-wise? Um. Maybe it, I mean, because it's not perfect. Yeah, it, it is, it, it is good. It, and it, it, it works very well for the, for the number, for the amount of money we made this movie for, uh -huh. um, in doing larger films, dealing with all those people is just, it, it can take a bit of time, you know, to, to, to secure them. Um, so yeah, I, I yes, I, I believe we'll be doing something similar to this, but I, I think that I would like to do it in America next time. What is the tax code form? Do you know offhand in British in Britain? It was it's it's what they call EIS and SCIS financing. So if you Google EIS and SCIS financing, you'll basically see that uh, there's a uh, the difference between EIS is EIS is up to three million. 
uh, SCIS is up to 100,000. Uh, the uh, tax benefit for SCIS is basically seed money. So it's 50% and uh, SCIS is everything beyond seed money up to 3 million, which is 30%. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Can you, can you tell if uh, if you're okay with this? Can you tell us a little bit about in terms of like your budget? Um, because it was it looked like it was mainly one location. Obviously, there was there was other stuff, but I'm assuming it was mostly like a set you guys had that you built. Um, but um, did most of the budget go toward you know production design, or was it a lot of maybe cast, or what did most of your budget kind of end up going to? Hey, Jan from the office is not cheap, Johnny. <laughs> hey, I know. Uh, I mean, we, 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 we did a favored nations deal with all the actors. So everybody, everybody made the same. Uh, we were able mm-hmm. to do it. On, we, we qualified as an ultra low budget production. So SAG, okay. and it was SAG. Um, it, was, it, was, it was SAG. It was non-union, but it was SAG uh, under the ultra low budget uh, category. And, um, you know, the first we were, I think we, we shot for 16 days. We, 10 of those days we spent on a set that we built three of, we spent three days, uh, on an actual prison set uh, Mm. at, at two different prisons, uh, two days on the boat location, one day at a, uh, at a pool, uh, doing the underwater stuff. And, um, yeah, I think that was, that, that's how it broke down. Yes. 60 days is, you know, I feel like it's pretty fast. I feel like a lot of features now are trying to really, you know, knock them out quick. Did, was there ever moments where you just kind of felt a little bit overwhelming or were you just so you planned so much ahead of time that it just felt like it went pretty, pretty smooth. Every moment was totally overwhelming. Yeah. Um, you, you, you know what I mean? I mean, we were, there were, cause like, I think we had, we ended up cutting, cutting a lot of it back, but we had like, I think 25 pages, like on the boat, you know, mm-hmm. that were, that were parceled out, like across like the, the timeline and like two days to shoot that. So that's like, you know, 12, yeah. 13 pages a day. Yeah. It's insane. It's insane. And then also like, you know, the actors didn't have a ton of time to prep, right? you know? So even just on a memorization level, like that's just hard, you know? Yeah, uh, especially and, if there's like a stunt too, or somebody has to fall in the water or something. It's like. Absolutely. And yeah. it was uh, <laughs> to add insult to injury. I think it was like the, the shortest day of the year in November where the sun. <laughs> and then one of the days was a uh, vote was the day people had to vote. So they had to leave an hour early. <laughs> yeah. So uh, on all of these things that like, made my day more challenging happened, you know? Um, but, you know, that's, you know, as far as like prepping and stuff goes, like, you know, you, I think you basically, you do as much prep as you can uh, so you can throw it all away. And basically, you know, all that prep is uh, what you have to do to get your instincts to a point where you, you feel like you can trust them, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I would definitely, I mean, I think that was, there was a week I only slept like 12 hours. You know, I was going home at night and working on shot lists. Um, everything was so accelerated. Uh, it was just, it was really hard, um, you know? And, you know, the deeper into the week you got, the harder the days were, you know, because yeah. you're less, you know, more days on less sleep. Um, but, you know, it was, it's also a beautiful thing. You know, you have uh, had an amazing line producer, uh, an amazing producer who was my partner in the, on the full project, uh, an amazing cast, a great AD, uh, a really good script supervisor. Um, my, my team was amazing. And you, you know, the, the more exhausted you get, the more you rely on them. And that's, uh, it was really awesome to have uh, I felt like I had the perfect crew for the movie, for the size of the film, you know, oh. they're total gamers. Yeah. How important was it for you to get names or faces to be part of this feature like Melora Hardin or like the girl from Westworld? Although I don't know her real name. Her name, her name is Angela and uh, she's awesome. Um, but you know, look, 
um, it's very important, you know, like distribution is, is an ugly world, <laughs> you know, and it's like, they, it, how can I say that? Like respect, but in, in the most respectful way, I could say this, like the cast that I had as amazing and as talented as they are was it made it difficult to get it to to be considered for a theatrical release mm. you, you know yeah um and we got a great digital release and we had a lot of love like from our distributors so i'm i couldn't be more grateful and i couldn't have done it without having my cast so i have no qualms about that because in my opinion, I got a better cast than I deserve. They were kind to be doing that to to be doing that for me, you know. But if if I was advising a filmmaker about um, setting up a project, get Brad Pitt. I, get the best actor you can <laughs> who's as known as possible. Right. You know, and and then like, it's it's weird too. It's like when you're thinking about like, is my movie only going to be something that's going to be released in the United States or is it going to be released uh, internationally? And the criteria for like all the stars that like you guys are, are actors as well. Right. Mm -hmm. So like, like all the stars that we would probably talk about and say, Oh, wow, that, that, that person's really great. That person seems like they're like on the come up or making it or just like on the verge of being huge, you know? like internationally is not necessarily the case. So all the people who like are like kind of these like buzzworthy actors who people want to work with, I think are like, uh, it, it, it doesn't, I guess what I'm trying to say is that the criterion is just different for, they look for different things internationally, you know, for it's, it's I don't know why, like, like, but you know, if Nick Cage is in your movie, it'll make money no matter what, like, yeah. or, you know, it, it's, and it's just these, there's a certain, there's yeah, a certain group of actors who have who've established that that kind of uh, role in the business. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I can't remember where 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 I was that I heard. I think it was from a producer who was telling me that that distributors have an, an actual list of like celebrities or actors that are the most bankable internationally. Like for example, like a Nick Cage or something like that. But that list is not available to the general public or anybody. It's like this actor, let's say Eric Roberts or something, is huge right. in Russia. Like he'll right. dominate in that market. Um, but distributors know who that is and we filmmakers don't. Yeah. I, I don't know. I've heard about that list too. No one's ever shared it with me. Yeah. But 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 I feel like there's a shorthand amongst us of like people like Eric Roberts, like Nicolas Cage, that we all know who they are. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know. And, um, you know, the, the distribution process is, is really crazy. Um, it was especially crazy for us because I finished uh, Caged in, in December of 2019. Uh, the first screening we had for it was at Pasadena Film Festival in March. Uh, it was supposed to be like a very big deal for us after having, you know, making the movie so, taking so long to make the film and finally showing it in theater. And then to have like the world be falling apart while that was all happening. And then, you know, yeah. uh, everything I worked for, I thought, oh my God, like my whole entire distribution plan is going to get destroyed. One, because I'm not going to be able to play any other film festivals because there aren't going to be any. Mm -hmm. Like the whole idea of like the virtual festival, it's great. You know, it's not quite the same uh, experience. Uh, but, you know, those were some opportunities we considered, but. Um, they just went away and then it was like okay so now basically the only way people will hear about my movie is from emails that i send uh and the only way that they'll experience it is through screeners that they'll watch on their computers at their desk this sucks yeah you know yeah. um so i kind of was like let's just uh let's just sit it out i was kind of over it i'm like you know what let's just wait this, I didn't know how long this was going to last. Let's just wait till better times. And then when things go back to normal, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll pursue it. And, you know, then we started getting contacted because there was, I guess, a demand for content that was completed uh, during the pandemic. 
by a lot of companies. And then the companies, some of them, the people who were contacting us, a lot of the people who were contacting us were from distribution companies that they have a splash page of films that look like the worst movies you've ever seen, starring people you've never heard of and that you've never heard of. Like, okay, so you basically say, all right, my movie it can only be as good as the best movie on here. And I haven't heard of one of these films. Yeah. Oh, uh, no, <laughs> this probably is not the company for me, you know? But, but these were the companies who were reaching out. Uh, and and I've, you know, their, their practices and their contracts are extremely predatory. Uh, and that's another reason I didn't even want to go down that road. Can you give some uh, examples? Of, 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 these how, of what their names are? Yeah. Predatory contract. How are, they, how are they predatory? I guess they, they favor them over the filmmaker, right? Like they take a large percentage or something? The large percentage, um, I guess, as far as the best advice I would get is to, to make sure that there's minimums placed on uh, when a sales company takes your movie on or a distributor, they will, you can get them to cap the amount of money they spend to market your film. If without that, if say you sell three or four territories for your movie, right? And then you get statements based on the amount of cost well, they can say, well, okay, well, this is how much your movie made. You, you've heard about Hollywood accounting and like how even movies that gross like a billion dollars don't show profit. Mm. Well, on a, on a much smaller level, that's how the independent games are working. And so, so, they, basic, so basically, I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not going to say like, I, I would say if you can keep your costs down, you'll have the best chance of not losing money. And that's, you know, I'm not saying that people are being dishonest about what those costs are, but if you can get them to commit to a plan in advance for how much they intend to spend on your movie, then you can at least factor that into considering how much your movie might make. Because if yeah. there's, if that's at an on an unlimited level, they could say, Oh, yeah. well, we had, you know, we had, a, I mean, a lot of times when, when they're going to different marketplaces, their hotels and travel to like, you know, going to, to Con and TIFF and these places to try and sell your movie to buyers like at these marketplaces, those are costs that they, they have to, you're ultimately paying for and you're paying for out of your, uh, out of the money you make for your movie. You know, so to, so, I would, they take, so essentially like, let's say there's marketing expenses or whatever that might be, they, they will take that from the profits your movie makes and then you only get back whatever's left over essentially. Yeah. And, and, and you're not having yeah. to, you're, you don't get to, um, and kind to of control okay, that, I guess. To, to, to okay every expense. And are, but you're okay. hinting okay. that uh, you know they do it purposefully so that the profits, all this revenue, doesn't show up in the profits, and you know they can say you didn't make this money. I, I, I'm I'm hinting that I I, I personally haven't <laughs> had that experience, but I've but I've had a lot of friends who have made a lot of movies that seem to do pretty well, but didn't it, the reward on the other side of that didn't seem to match up, so. In trying to be smart businessmen, we wanted to try to to limit the amount of money that that was spent on marketing, and and, and we were actually semi fortunate because everything was virtual in the marketplace with Caged, so yeah. it, there was they were just sending links to people. They didn't have to actually physically go to different marketplaces, and we didn't incur those costs. Mm. But to people who are doing this at a time when people are traveling, I would just say, get them to commit to $25,000, you know, because if not, like it, your, you know, your marketing could be as high as, you know, 100,000, 150,000. Like that's, mm. you know, and, and sometimes that's too much considering that sometimes that's all these movies make. Yeah. What, what so, was, what was your original plan? I know, cause I know festivals shut down. So were you hoping to, you know, play the festival market for, you know, a year or something to kind of see what kind of traction you get and then maybe distribution yeah. or? Yeah, we were, I mean, one, on, on, a, on a personal level, I was hoping to, you know, meet people who were, um, who would, could, you know, help me along in my career, make meaningful relationships with people uh, to help me like uh, further my career uh, as a director and a writer. Uh, and then, you know, also meet people who were uh, interested in, you know, uh, taking the journey with us for Caged. 
and helping us get that out there to uh, a worldwide market. That was, that was our goal. Uh, and ultimately we were able to achieve that. We found an amazing sales company who's been uh, nothing but uh, supportive and honest and is super connected and was able to hook us up with Shout Studios uh, in a relatively uh, short amount of time. Um, I think two weeks after we signed with them, we had a deal. What was their name uh, that you signed? Per- Premier Entertainment was the sales company and Shout Studios was the distribution company. And um, yeah, they reached out to us. They sent us an email um, and I was, the email was extremely thoughtful and basically every sales company, when you're, when you're out trying to shop a film, you'll meet with an executive, or at least, or at least this was my experience is that they'll have a take on how to sell your movie, you know? Um, and they'll say, and I had some people, I, my, I always, when I wrote this movie, get out, hadn't come out. So my idea at the time I wrote it was I wanted to do something that had uh, social commentary, uh, and mix it with a genre film. And at the time, I felt like that was kind of a novel thing. Then Get Out happened, and it became extremely novel uh, because Jordan Peele did it so well, right? Um, so then, um, you know, so I met with a lot of sales agents who said, I think uh, that you should present this film more like Just Mercy and less like Get Out. Mm-hmm. And to me, that was, didn't make sense to me. I Because I felt like, nothing against films like that, but I just find that the, the issue, the dramatic issue movie is t- typically not a movie that travels, you know, especially with African-American cast. And two, uh, I feel like if you, the horror, the commercial horror audience is much larger. It's also international, you know, uh, smaller films, without huge casts have done extremely well historically when they're as a, a part of a genre. Uh, and I felt like uh, that you could, the kind of people who go, you're preaching to the choir if you're, if you're doing a message movie because the kind of people who go to see message movies are people who are already aware of the message. Whereas opposed to a horror, a horror film, like maybe they go to see the horror and they have a talk about human rights at the end and you're affecting people and connecting with people who wouldn't ordinarily uh, see that sort of film or consider those sort of things. Mm. Yeah. Is a, I wanted to ask this, is there a tip or a trick or any advice you would give to approaching names or faces when you're trying to get these people like Alora or uh, Angela for your film? Do you, do you go through the agents? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we had a casting. Uh, I always tell people that if you're if you're raising any sort of money for a film, uh, that you should spend your first money on a casting director, just some someone who believes in the project, somebody who knows all the managers, and somebody who uh, you can get who can get this your script into the hands of uh, of the actors through their agents and managers. You know, um, we, all of our cast, there was a, a management company, there's a, a manager by the name of Lexi Alvarez at Framework, uh, and she read the script and really liked it. And Lexi represents Eddie and Melora, uh, and also James Jagger, who was in the movie. Um, so she kind of really like beat the drum for us and helped was very responsible for help getting the, the, the cast, the, the level of cast that we got, you know? So I definitely say you can, it really helps to build your project on the backs of your cast, you know, because um, a start date and a cast like really makes, can give the, you want, I, I guess you're, it, it's all, you want to create momentum, you know? And, you know, we were, when we started, we were partially financed, but we were still financing, you know, as much as we could, uh, as we were attaching the actors and getting closer and closer to our start date. And so, you know, the sooner we have the cast on board, 
the easier it was to convince uh, investors uh, that they should want to be a part of it. And, you know, the, as you were trying to kind of build relationships with crew people who maybe you haven't worked with before and they're kind of feeling you out and you're kind of feeling them out and you're having those types of meetings and your start dates kind of farther out, like, you know, all these things start falling, the more things that fall into place, the more legit you seem and the less risky your project seems. And they says, yeah, this, you seem like a nice enough guy. Okay. Yeah. I really like this script. Let's, uh, Let's go out and make a movie. We're like, awesome, you know. So, so yeah, I, I find find a find an amazing casting director. And, and, and who? What, what was her name of the uh, casting director? Uh, Karina Walters. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And do you typically do you when you're when they're kind of reaching out to agents and stuff and stuff? Because it sounds like the shoot date's probably farther in the future, so you're kind of sort of pre-planning everything. Are you having to show like sort of proof of? you know, financing before they can even attach these people? Or is that typically not a? No, <clears throat> it, I, I, I see what you're getting at. And it's definitely, a, it's a dance. Okay. You know, yeah. Because I mean, you're, you're, you, you get funding when you get the stars almost. <laughs> but then you're yeah. like, well, I need you to get the funding. But does the agent usually ask for like, hey, is this movie finance? You know what I'm saying? I don't know if that makes sense. I, I, I would never recommend to anybody to lie about anything. Because at the, at, you know, at some time, someone's going to ask you to call your bluff, you know, for us, we knew we were going to shoot. And the, when we were, when we were raising money, we were trying to, to increase our budget. You, you know what I mean? But we knew that the, at, if all else failed, we would have a stripped down budget of this much money that we could count on that would get us through our days. Everything beyond that was like, is he going to get the dolly? Can I get a small crane to move around <laughs> the cell? You, you, you know what I mean? Like uh, how, what type of, uh, how are we going to uh, approach the underwater stuff? You know, are we going to do it on a, like a super legit way? Like, or, or are we going to, you know, get an aquarium and a smaller camera, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, or, or, you know, how many, how many effect shots can I have? So. But yeah, it's definitely the carp, the carp of, you know, chicken and egg kind of scenario. Yeah, just kind of playing and, around with it. Yeah. And you really, you, you you know, I think you have to be honest with people. You have to find people who believe in you, who believe in the, the project. And then you have to, uh, you know, in Eddie's case, he was an executive producer, you know? So it wasn't like a conversation that these conversations stopped being conversations we had uh, before we got on the phone with him. They became conversations we called him and discussed. Hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah, I was, I was about to ask you how he, he became a producer on the project as well, or, or if you already had your eye on him before, I, you know. I, I was always very impressed with him. And uh, after meeting him, I was even more impressed with him. Great guy. He was a great I, actor. Yeah, he was good. He was, I mean, to carry a movie, because, I mean, really, it's just the whole movie's on him, basically. So he did a much. great job. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, no, I was, uh, I was extremely lucky, and uh, he, I couldn't have asked for a better collaborator. Yeah. Yeah. In our final five minutes, what is where is the film now? Are you guys completely done? It's distributed. Moving on to the next one. Uh, yeah, um, we uh, we were we were released on the twenty sixth of January. Um, our DVD, we just got a, a DVD deal, where, so we came out in every all the WalMarts in them across America. That's awesome. awesome. That, that was pretty. That was pretty yeah. cool. Uh, we sold the movie internationally to the UK, uh, South Africa, the Middle East, um, Philippines. No disrespect to the other territories. I can, those are the ones I can remember offhand. <laughs> they don't uh, matter, right? <laughs> no, they, no, they do. I love them. And, and, yeah. and couldn't be happier to have them. They're no Philippines, though. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah. And, um, and so now, um, now I'm, I'm looking on to the next one. Tell us about it, whatever you can, if you, if you can. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like it's, 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 um, it, it's actually a, a, a slightly different version of the film that I was trying to pursue prior to doing caged. So, um, and I think sort, I, I think sort of big budget, more big budget one that you were kind of working on before. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's a bit more, I, I've, I've been able to streamline it a bit okay. because I, I just think like what I've learned about, I mean, 
it's definitely in your best interest to try to keep your budgets as low as possible. And what's uh, the genre? It, it's horror. Horror. Yeah, like nice. a horror thriller. Nice. Um, I, I don't want to say too much about it because it, it it's fairly early on, um, but it's it's a it's it's set in the music world, and it's a horror film. Okay. That's where you and your yeah. partner come from, at least. You. It is. Well, well, I mean, me and him, as much as music videos, and him is actually being a songwriter. So. Right, right. Yeah. So that movie is about the making of this movie. <laughs> in a way. In a way. <laughs> is, it, is it easy? Like, is it e way easier? Obviously, you've done it before, but I'm just talking about practical spe practically speaking to get funding, to understand everything now that you've done it before? Um. I'll have to get back to you on the funding because we have to do it again. Um, but there's, there is no education on making a movie that's better than making a movie. You know, I, I definitely think I, I learned things the hard way on this and I look forward to be able to kind of, uh, take all of those kind of war wounds and uh, apply them to the next project and hopefully do it much quicker. Um, and just, you know, show, grow, grow as an artist, you know, uh, because I, I feel like I've learned things. Maybe I can get to certain places in a quicker time, you know? So, but yeah, it's, it's, it's an invaluable experience and one that you learn immensely from. So, uh, it will definitely be easier next time. Um, how easier is remains to be seen. Shooting and this year. Or shooting next year, uh, I would I, I would be I would be very surprised if it shot this year. I'm still in the script stage. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Are, are you also COVID? I feel like is making it hard. I mean, it's, I feel like we're kind of out of it, but not. You know, I don't know. It's a um, weird. It's a whole weird thing. So definitely, and um, I, I'm you know because I'm I haven't I haven't shot I haven't done a production for for anything as big as a movie since I shot uh, this film, um, it's, it's hard for me to even gauge exactly how impactful it's, it, it will be for whatever I intend to do next or even how impactful it is right at this very moment. You know, yeah. I, yeah. I, haven't, I haven't been on set during COVID. Yeah. Have you guys like? We've been as, as actors, yeah, I've been on set. Um, and it's, <laughs> everything, it takes, everything takes twice as long. Uh, everyone's separated from everybody it's very difficult to be collaborative because you're like nah you stand over there you stand over there and don't talk to nobody and, yeah, it's just a pain that everybody there's know. a designated person telling you hey you know make sure you follow all these guidelines and you're just trying to make the film or yeah. tv or you, eat, you eat lunch and you're, you're i don't know about you guys but when i was eating lunch i wasn't allowed to eat with anybody yeah two people per table in a separated. row yeah wow. so it's really hard to sort of interact with people and you know being on set is a very collaborative process and you don't really get to do that as much even talking to the director it's very minimal it's like hey what's up uh so we're just gonna have you go over there and then um yeah we'll see you over there i'll see you is he kind of just like shouting things in from the monitor like is he trying to maintain that distance or like, she or, or she or, or she yeah, yeah. <laughs> no doubt no doubt yeah i think it's a combination of both you know or somebody else is communicating it to you like the ad or something I mean, when I did it, the director just came up to us whenever she could. I'm just thinking of this one instance, and uh, yeah, she was wearing a mask. Yeah, like and, and everybody, everybody yeah, 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 yeah. And then, so, like, when you're when you take the mask off, like, do you feel like it because of all the all the restrictions with COVID and and the lack of communication? Do you feel like it's harder to get into character once the once the camera rolls? Uh, me personally, yes, I definitely do. I felt that a lot because but, you're ner because you're nervous about your health. No, it was. I never actually on set. I felt like the safest I was anywhere because I, I mean, everyone's been tested dozens of times. You know, some people may have had the vaccine. Who knows? And uh, I think it's more of like we're not really getting to like usually like before you shoot, you might have a chance to like talk to the actor you're going to work with maybe talk about the scene a little bit, maybe run another couple of times or whatever. I see. Not really getting to do that. It's just like, right. guys, just sit here, you know, mask on. We're not taking it off until we're actually rolling. So just communicate through a mask. And it just, I don't know. It just feels kind of weird. You know what I mean? I'm not a fan, but, you know, I understand why they do that. You know, 
Yeah, they, they're, I mean, you know, everyone's got to try to stay as safe as possible. So, yeah. but yeah. It, it, it's, uh, I, I, you know, I've talked to, I've talked to some actors who were, who were like, you know, I feel like because I'm talking to less people, I'm more in my head. And because I'm more in my head, it allows me to kind of find something that I wasn't necessarily, maybe find something a little quicker or tap into something that it took me a little longer to tap into prior to this. And so yeah. they were kind of seeing the silver lining in it. But I've also talked to people like you who, who, who you know, uh, think it's is it, a look at it as a as a challenge to their process. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. Everyone's different, but yeah, for me, it hasn't really been that. I haven't really liked it that much, but it is what right. it is. Yeah, you yeah. Know? Uh, you know, I admire them for you know putting in the the specifications so they could keep working. Like we could keep having production throughout this, which is better yeah. than a lot of other industries. Right. Hundred percent. No. Um, yeah. I mean. You know, it'll be really interesting to see what this next year brings, you know, uh, how, you know, I mean, it seems like we're doing well here in California. Um, hopefully that continues, um, you know, and if uh, if within the next year that we're, I, I don't think production will ever necessarily be the same though. I think that, that the pandemic will forever change uh, certain things. I'm not exactly sure what they are, but I know, I, I think like, and that's just true of like all business and industry. I think you're going to see a lot more people exploiting uh, Zoom um, for a lot less people having to maybe have brick and mortar offices, a lot, a lot more people yeah. using to communicate, you know, yeah. just be, and I think it's going to ultimately going to come down to cost. Like, oh, we can afford not to do that. We did it during the pandemic. Okay. I know. And, nope, and they're like, nope. it worked fine. And yeah, I know we have to leave our house and. Yeah, I think what what's challenging on that aspect too is like now, especially for actors, it feels like everything is on Zoom or something to that effect. And what you lose is when you're doing all auditions are now self tapes or something like that. You really lose like someone being able to redirect you in the room or give you feedback or say like, "Hey, that, that's that I like that version, but can you do this?" But since you don't have anybody there, you have nobody telling you. So, um, so if you get a like a callback. Has anybody had a callback during COVID? Like, is there a, like, are you, is it, is it Zoom? It's a Zoom callback and they're, they're just throwing some feedback at you through. Yeah. During through the, the callback, if, if you do a, like a live Zoom callback, then there is usually somebody giving you some information, but I've, I've booked stuff with no callback and it's right. just, you just do it. And then. Right. Know. It's just, you're, you just got to, you got to take. You show yeah. The take, you just got to take and that's, and that's it. So it, I mean, it has its pluses and minuses, you know what I mean? But I, I personally like to, you know, kind of feel out who's there and get the vibe of what's happening. And like, especially if it's a director, like an indie thing, like it's, it's not the same. You have someone telling you like, you know, won't you try this or do that? Or, you know what I mean? Not having any of that is very like mysterious as well. Um, nothing is as good virtually. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm, I'm I know. sorry. To, I'm sorry to say. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Honestly, I mean, just even watching movies at home is kind of crappy. I'm happy that theaters are open again. <laughs> I, I, I just saw not ArcLight. I know, oh, man. That's, that's, that's like that's soul that's crushing, heartbreaking. Yeah, it is. Uh, that's so bad. I, I just went and saw my first movie after 13 months. The last film that I saw was was my film <laughs> 13 months ago. <laughs> what was the new movie? Uh, the, uh, it was uh, Kong for Scott. How, how, how was it? I was planning on seeing it. Um, <clears throat> it the movie is okay. Like the 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 images are epic. Yeah, the fight scenes are epic. Um, I would, but it was also like after being on a thirteen month hiatus from not going to the movies and then going to a Dolby Digital screening of that film, it was just like sensory overload. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, like this is what my life needed. <laughs> like just, I, I used to go to the like see a film like once a week. You know what I mean? Yeah, so and yeah. to not have that in my life was just. Right. Uh, I didn't know it was depressing me. But yeah. after I got out, I was so excited. I was like, wow, okay, this makes sense. It, it's always better watching it in theater. It's so much better. Yeah, yeah you can't. It's irre irreplaceable. It's yeah. the, uh, an experience that hopefully people are in our industry will never forfeit because it will be a huge, huge, huge mistake. Yeah. The, the last question I wanted to ask you uh, real quick, Aaron, was um, what what's one piece of advice that you would give to a filmmaker that's getting ready to do their first film, first feature? Biggest thing, maybe you maybe big maybe the biggest thing you've learned. 
before um, heading into a, a feature? When, when people ask me that, I, I sometimes just say the casting director thing, but because I've already talked about that, I'll say, um, be flexible. You know, um, don't, 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 don't be so committed to something, to a decision that you've made prior that you can't see an opportunity in disguise. You know, okay. you really have to be fluid when you're making movies at this level, uh, the level that I just made a movie at, which was very small. Um, so um, just um, make the best, make, make use of everything you have at your disposal at that moment. And don't, and don't, uh, and don't be precious about things. You know, but yeah. some, sometimes, you know, I've obviously sometimes maybe you need that. Maybe like it, the director has the vision and, oh, it worked out because I fought for this. It's like hard to tell in the moment. Yeah, <clears throat> absolutely. I mean, it, it, it can go both ways. I mean, you know, it, it can also be like you, you didn't, you weren't spineless, I guess, is the opposite of that, right? Which is like, <laughs> I, I, I fought for that. Uh, and right. you have to, you have to know when to, uh, when to fight and when to not, you know, uh, you can't fight for everything. So, I mean, but I, I just think that even in like, even in the way that you imagine a performance, like I'm as a writer and I co-wrote this movie, uh, but when I, you know, when I was writing on this and, and other things that I've written, I'm constantly performing the lines that I'm writing while I'm writing them <clears throat> um, on the page. <clears throat> and then, you know, depending on what your budget is and how long you have your cast for, like you either, maybe you have a, a lot of chance to do rehearsals, but I didn't, you know? So there's the material mm -hmm. that I used for auditions. There's the stuff that I did maybe, uh, probably hopefully everybody gets a table read out of it at least. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You, you know, yeah. um, but like the, the first, there were some scenes in cage that like the first reading of an act that, that I heard of that scene was that while we were on set, you know? Yeah. And, and so like, um, you have to, you know, there wasn't time there was only i mean i i guess i could go as many as five takes that, that was probably the the most i ever went on anything you know mm. uh but you i i felt like there was there's that that i i have to personally be careful not to think that the first performance an actor gives me is wrong just because it doesn't sound like the performance i did how you imagined it when i wrote it yeah that's yeah. that's something that i have to personally be careful with but although i i have to say like when, when an actor makes choices that oftentimes turn to be turned out to be right because I'm only performing it for the sake of writing it you know like they're they put like they're authoring the performance when they're making those choices and when I hear those for the first time like it, it I sometimes they're some sometimes it's things that turn out to be amazing but I often find that my direction is pointing people into the best version of the performance that I did when I wrote them, you, you know, unless, yeah. unless I'm, but sometimes I'll get, I'll, I'll, they'll make a choice and I'll go, holy God, that's such a great, amazing, unique, uh, spontaneous choice. And of course, like then at the, from that point forward, you're like, I, I can never hear it anyway. Else. Yeah. Yeah. So and those are the things that I think you have to be fluid with. Yeah, that because that because then you because those 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 decisions affect that 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 take that you're doing, but also the coverage, which who knows how far into it you are. Right. So sometimes you're going back and covering things that like you discover in the moment. Mm. Aaron, Just to be safe. thank dude, thank you for coming on. I I really feel like I learned so much. Like I took a lot in terms of the distribution and the funding. Oh, um, dude. So thank you. Thank you guys uh, for having me on. It was it was really awesome to talk to you. Thank you guys for helping us, you know, get the word out about Caged. It's really it was our, it's our pleasure, and we really appreciate it. Yeah, and uh, I just want to say uh, I really love the movie. Great job. There was Thank some you so, uh, so much. I pay a lot of attention to the cinematography, and there was some really cool angles that you had, especially when you're shooting in such a tight room to make it more interesting. And I thought you did a really nice job of that. So 
Um, so really, really, really cool work. Um, where can the audience find the film and where can they find a social media platform for yourself or for the film? Um, the, the movie is out pretty much, uh, everywhere on, uh, it's, uh, iTunes, uh, Amazon prime video, Fandango, Voodoo, all that stuff. Um, and you can AFJ what on, uh, Instagram is my handle and, um, yeah, cool. Yeah, that's, please, uh, please check it out. And, um, Thank you guys so much for for watching it and uh, helping us get the word out on it. I really appreciate that. Yeah, dude, you're, I hope you come back when you have your next film. And talk about it. <laughs> love to have you back. Would love that. Would love. We'll that. see that. We'll see the next film at a festival, hopefully. Yes, that we can all attend in person. There you go. <laughs> there you go. It'd be amazing. And uh, yeah, best of luck to everybody here. You know, continue uh, continued success on your film and your acting and your filmmaking. This is amazing. Cool. Thanks, Aaron. Yeah. Appreciate thank you, you guys. Absolutely.